Um, I thought I'd just give you guys each the opportunity to quickly riff on a couple of companies that you thought were interesting uh, that had you know, the largest potential. And I'll, I'll start with you, Dan. <laughs> uh, well, well, I say all this, obviously, particularly as an expert in battery, uh, ba- battery engineering chemistry. So I, you know, and obviously, I looked at all, your, all, the, all the Prieto um, you know, um, blueprints and stuff before. Uh, you know, I'll just run through them really quick, just you know, snapshots on, on each. Um, you know, pitch engine. As a journalist, there's way too, particularly as a blogging journalist who's writing constantly all day and looking for stuff to write about. There is way too much information coming in, not just via press releases, but, but via Twitter, etc. To me, I mean, I don't know even know if it's a holy grail, but but if I could feel confident as a journalist that there was a singular place, at least where I was getting most of my information, if that can get done, or at least most of the information that was coming to me from companies or from people who were quote unquote pitching instead of 30 different sites and and you know people with their own blogs, I think that's got real potential. Um, you know, obviously the the business model is is to get money from the from the companies who are trying to get their message out there, but from the end user, which would be me, I think, or, or I, I'd be one of them. I think there's I think there's huge potential in that. Um, you know, the other one is Prieto. I'm from Boston, even though the uh, the thing says I'm from somewhere in Colorado. Um, I, you know, I'm from Boston. We've got a one two three in our backyard, which has obviously been a big hit. The the question I'll, I have for Prieto is, you know, if it works, it's fantastic. The the big question I've gotten, it's been a question for a one two three is. What are the, not what are the cap requirements, but, but from a venture perspective or private investment perspective, can it become, uh, can, it, can there be a good ROI? I mean, A123 is a company that a lot of people look at as a huge success because it's got a, what, $2.2 billion market cap now. But it's also a company that if the federal government hadn't stepped in, if there wasn't a stimulus, might not actually be around anymore. It might literally be out of business. And it's one of the, it's a great concept. The question is, can it work for the people who are ultimately going to have to find it? Um, but yeah, those are the two that jumped out at me. Okay. Hello. Sure. Um, I happen to be in the throes of writing a green investment piece, and being barons, I'm talking to mutual fund managers that are looking at the space. So it was interesting from their perspective, and one uh, portfolio manager in particular, John Segerich at Cabelli, his largest category is the thing he calls efficiency. It's very broad in general, but it's his way of looking at these companies. And what struck me as interesting was Hydraulic as being a company that would fit under this very broad term of efficiency. If they can do that, it's a very practical thing that can be applied today. It's not a future technology. may not even be driven by any kind of government regulation. So from, from a go-to-market investable position, I thought that had some potential. Uh, regarding batteries, I can only echo some of Dan's comments, I, I got to test drive a Tesla. Maybe some of you own one. In my early reporting a couple of years ago, you know, that was the big issue. You know, where do you get your batteries? And they said, we're not going to worry about the battery. We're going to let somebody else worry about the battery and figure that out. Well, clearly someone's taking that initiative. But to Dan's point... But they'll go public first. <laughs> to, to Dan's point, um, that's an industry that is probably going to be driven by government regulation and policy, again, that kind of investment is so unlike information technology or telecommunications or things that we're very familiar with because it's not being consumer-driven. It will need assistance. And then, then there's the whole uh, element of where are they going to be produced, at what cost, and by whom, and you know, will China knock them off immediately thereafter. So I, interesting, uh, great that they're doing it, but it seems like there's just a lot of issues out there. Um, regarding um, social media and public relations, again, as a journalist, anything that would make that um, bring social media to the media to the to the journalism community in some organized fashion that made sense 
would seem to have value, but I'm not sure how that model works. I didn't really understand exactly. I would have to talk to them more, have a better understanding of what the customer relationship would be, what things and services they really would provide, and so forth. And, and to me on that one, also, I guess I should follow up. And what? And I just don't know this. What are the legacy players, the PR Newswire, the Business Wire, et cetera? What are they doing or not doing to incorporate social media? What's kind of what's their version, whatever 5.0 for them? I assume they're looking at this. I just don't know what it is. So I'm curious specifically to your uh, reaction to Grogger and the idea of crowdsourced uh, content. Uh, I thought you might have a reaction to it. Yeah, uh, I do. Uh, you know, there's there's obviously a fine line between crowdsourced content and uh, and being an aggregator. One, one thing I didn't get, and actually you might know the answer to this, is is a simple linking question. In other words, which is if somebody, you, for example, you've got your Grogger thing up and you're pulling from all these blogs and, and one pops to the top for whatever reason, when somebody clicks on, do they end up, is it within your site still or does it literally go to wherever that is? So they're contributing content to the publication. To so your publication. It stays on the publication. Yeah. Which obviously, is, as a publisher, raises the big question, which, which is, you know, we make our money. I mean, I make a lot of our money on subscriptions, but in general, the bloggers make their money, or professional bloggers make their money on links coming to their site. And there is obviously major pushback from bloggers about, you know, I mean, look, the good example of this is Business Insider, which doesn't even do it as an aggregator. It just copies and pastes giant pieces, almost entire articles <laughs> that we write, and just put them online. Um, it's wonderful that they put our byline on it without asking us, but nonetheless, it doesn't help us financially. To me, that's the big question with Grogger is, can there, would there be pushback from the professional bloggers who is their target segment who are saying, how am I recognizing revenue off of this? Because ultimately, I'm the one providing the content. Okay. So, so just switch gears uh, real quick and ask you, um, in terms of the region here and how it's viewed uh, outside, uh, you know, how do people view this region? What are the strengths and weaknesses? Uh, maybe, Mark, I'll, I'll flip that to you. Well, anybody who spent any time in Silicon Valley, there's a certain um, arrogance there, for lack of a better word. And I, I've often asked the question, you know, what they thought about these other areas, not just uh, the Rocky Mountain region, but also whether it's the Sun Belt or uh, Texas and other places like Austin. And, you know, they always give you the same answer. You've all heard it in the room that, well, you know, we have the highest concentration of engineering and talent. This is the place you have to be, and this is where you have to build your, your companies. And it seems to me that over time, this is being proved otherwise to a degree. And you, you specialize in it, so Dan knows much more about it than I. But, you know, given a chance, it seems like anybody that really understands what you're doing here really pays attention, appreciates what's being done in the region. But uh, I'm afraid that's still a minority, at least among the VC. And I'm, I'm not a venture capital specialist, and I, I interrelate with them on a regular basis, but not as a person who covers the industry. But that's always I always found that interesting because it seems like with so much talent, and good universities all over this country, and not to mention lower costs of, of doing business where you can launch companies and not have to deal with the, the obstacles of, of, of cost uh, that you have in, uh, in California. It just seems like a, a logical place to, uh, to do business. Yeah, I mean, you know, the education thing's interesting. I, you know, I, I learned dinner last night that I guess the Colorado and, and uh, Don taught me that Colorado, I guess, has the second most educated workforce, at least in terms of bachelors, next to Massachusetts. So I'm glad that we're still leading in something. Um, but, you know, and, and that should matter. You know, to me, it, it ultimately, though, I, I think comes down to can you get – every sector is different. So obviously, you know, big aerospace here, um, getting very strong in clean tech. When, when it comes to IT, which obviously is what some of these companies presenting were, the big question is always can you get a couple big core companies – that, that not only raise the profile, but also create tons of spin-outs. I mean, how many companies in Silicon Valley 
are either created by people who used to work for Google or have been funded by angels who used to work for Google. And I mean, that's an issue in Boston also that we don't have those big, many, at least of those big IT things. But on the other hand, you do have things like Techstars that, you know, that have started here. I think, I think Colorado, kind of Denver Boulder, has gotten a pretty good reputation. I, you know, I don't think it's considered the top entrepreneurial spot in the country that's still obviously the Valley. And, and I, you know, I think I kind of see it really as falling into that second tier, which kind of seems to be um, moving around a bit, whether that be Boston or New York or Research Triangle Park for Life Sciences or San Diego for Life Sciences. And I think they all kind of flip depending on what the sector is. But I think, I think this area is right in there. Thanks for the Techstar shout-out. Um, so in the interest of staying on time, uh, I'll just thank the panelists and thank the presenters as well. I think those were all great. So another uh, quick round of applause for them. Thank you.